Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Screwed and Reviewed Screwcast. I'm Garrett, writer of Screwed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, entertainment, and more. We also have our uh, selection of gaming reviews available at various sites, everything from Sci-Fi Radio to Smash Bomb to um, Open Critic and, of course, Canal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, Keyword Skewed, which is a network of uh, multiple newspapers in 21 markets. We have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine. And, of course, you can catch me weekly on DJ Shows Geek Nation on KSWFM. And uh, a lot of stuff going. So, uh, back to 2023, we've got the team here. I'm joined with, uh, as always, with Justin and Michael. And we've got a little bit of CES recap, a lot of gaming news, and some uh, movie news to share with you. So off the bat, since he was not able to join us last week, since the last few weeks we've had holidays, we've had people traveling, I've had uh, two different trips myself. Michael's going to recap some of his CES meetings. So Michael, take it away. Yeah, so CES was um, kind of, as you mentioned, still a little bit light on content, I think. There's still a lot of people that are kind of getting back in front of things from the pandemic and just the economy and just the world travel overall. I know China was kind of still going through um, some lockdown events and other things during the uh, the event. So it's not too un- unexpected that some of these things were a little bit, I guess, lower, um, lower attended than we had expected. But I did get a chance to meet with two amazing uh, vendors. I met with uh, Be Quiet. Um, and in the uh, Bellagio Hotel. And their big focus this year was, of course, on their um, Dark Power 13 with the ATX 3.0 standard. Um, ATX 3.0 is is kind of the new um, generation of power supplies. It's going to be utilizing um, some additional sense data. It also comes with the 12 BHP uh, power connector, which is what's utilized in the new NVIDIA uh, power core, I mean, GPU lineups, so the 4000 series, not utilized in AMD yet, but the expectation is because this is going to be the new standard for um, video cards that was developed in, in coordination with Intel, um, NVIDIA, and I believe there were a couple of others. Um, but it does include that natively, so you're not using the adapters that come with the new cards. Obviously, it features their um, extremely quiet um, uh Pure, uh, uh, pure wing um, band designs. Um, their light wings um, were also shown, and they actually come in a white version now. Um, traditionally, be quiet. It's been more of a dark or a black band company, but obviously, there's been a big push lately for white cases. Um, that white look has, has become really popular with PC builders. Um, so the light wings white were uh, an introduction as well. Um, so, you know, some pretty interesting things. Um, of course, with their PSUs, um, in particular the Dark Power 13, it's up to 1,000 watts capability. It's a titanium um, branded power supply. Their Dark Power Pros, I think they said they will be announcing later on um, this year. So um, those will include um, a little bit higher wattage. I think he said up to 1,600 watts, I believe. Um, with an 11 watt, 1100 watt variable being their lowest. Um, I also got a chance to meet with Ben Q, who um, showed off some amazing things from their various brands. Um, their Mobius brand, which is kind of their um, general use case, their um, their uh, consumer graded uh, monitors. They showed off their new um, OLED panel, which looked amazing. Uh, I believe it's 48 inches um, for their OLED. Um, in 4K uh, display, they also showed off um, a, 200, a new 240 hertz um, IPS display. Um, again, a lot of the things that I saw when I was working, um, going through the the various um, uh, shows, was particularly with the um, computer type shows. Is there's been a big focus on um, higher refresh rate and um, size. So a higher refresh rate, I know, is is key. Um, their um, more esports brand showed off a 340 megahertz refresh rate monitor, uh, but I, I do know also that Asus this year, I believe, showed off a 540 hertz monitor. So again, that's been kind of the big push, and of course, going to OLED 
Uh, for the longest time, OLED's been available, but there's been um, performance issues because the, the refresh rate on OLEDs tended to not be as, as high. And also there was a significant um, potential for burn-in with OLEDs. And the new OLED panels um, tend to do that a little bit better and not have those same issues with burn-in that the older ones did. Although I think this the show stealer of all of this was BenQ showed off their um, gaming projector. Um, it's the BenQ uh, GP500 projector. Um, low input lag, amazing clarity. Um, they also do um, specialized um, uh, specialized uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. They specialized um, pro profiles, that's it. For various games, things like um, I got to play uh, some God of War, which looked fantastic. The response rate was absolutely amazing. But they also have some for Elden Ring, which is a lot darker. Um, obviously, it has HDR in, into it. It does support up to 150-inch screen. The screen I played on at CES, I think it was 100-inch. Um, but it's, it's amazing to see the quality and clarity that a 4K um, uh, projector can now do from both a gaming perspective and a cinema perspective. Um, the ambient light was... It wasn't perfectly dark in that room either with um, the show and, and people walking around. And I thought the clarity and the, and how the visibility of everything, even in a not perfectly dark room, was outstanding. So um, BenQ really is is really pushing the you know gaming projector. It's not just for watching movies. It's actually designed for gaming on, which gives a new opportunity for folks who want to do living room gaming on on a truly large scale. Um, PS5, Xbox. Um, you know, even a PC, if you want to hook a PC to it, and then playing in your living room on a 150-inch screen. So the um, the show was really outstanding uh, for those particular um, companies, and I appreciate their uh, giving me the opportunity to um, to play around with some of their stuff, to experience um, some of their their upcoming items, and um, there will be additional write-ups coming on, on this stuff as well. But really, um, just a fantastic opportunity to meet with them uh, for a significant amount of time. Uh, while I was there, so it was a good time. Yeah, like I said last week, we got through it quicker than we do most years, but uh, there was uh, a lot more to see than the prior year, and I remember an article in one of the Las Vegas papers that compared it to panning for gold, and they essentially said, you know, at first glance, you may not find anything uh, that is of interest to you, but if you're patient and you dig deep enough or wait long enough, you'll actually see that there was a lot of stuff. I was just kind of surprised that the big two-story hall was still closed, and everything was pretty much in the central hall, with the exception of the west hall, uh, where they had the automotive and the combine stuff, not counting what was over at the Venetian. But, uh, you know, Vegas told me, typical year 200,000-plus, they were at about 120, uh, 115 to 120 this year, but it was spread out over... Uh, three days versus uh, more consistent, but, you know, trending in the right direction. So uh, let's take a pivot from that and swing over to gaming news. And this week we had news that Ubisoft has canceled um, three, uh, three games and uh, didn't get the announcement on what they were and that their uh, long-delayed pirate game is also going to be facing another delay. So, Justin, what are you making about all of this? Yeah, um, you know, these stories kind of come out every now and then. Um, it's hard to uh, say for certain um, because a lot of the, uh, the information about the games that were canceled, um, they were unannounced. So there's really no way to tell, you know, how long, how far along they were, uh, what did they look like, what, what even what was the pitch behind them. My guess is that, um, you know, that, like I said, that this uh, these these kinds of stories come out every now and then, where it seems like um, there's a lot of there's a blow to projects, and um, companies will kind of go through like basically clean house um, if they feel like uh, a lot of the projects aren't going to pan out uh, the way that they want them to. So it's hard to say exactly what's uh, going on behind closed doors, but it, uh, obviously it's a, maybe a little concerning because, uh, um, you know, Ubisoft's a very large company, obviously, and um, it's usually a sign that uh, there's, there's a little bit of turmoil going on um, 
you know, if they're going to be cleaning house like this. But, you know, it's also, uh, on the flip side, uh, it can be a good thing because it kind of uh, brings things back to essentially an equal equilibrium and allow them to kind of explore other other games. Um, the the pi- Their pirate game being delayed again, I think that's also kind of a concern because I believe it's already been delayed, like, at least once or twice. Um, so... Quite a few times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I just I remember seeing. I haven't really been following it very closely, but I do remember seeing uh, things about it a long time ago. So it's it's sort of been in the oven for a very very long time, um, and uh, you know that's especially kind of odd because you know it's it's main competitor. You know, there's a uh, I, I can't remember rares pirate game but it's it's fairly popular and it's been going for <laughs> several years now so um i don't know it's it's kind of interesting i guess we're gonna have to kind of wait and see well you know what what's going on at ubisoft um hopefully it's not cause for concern but my guess is that uh they're we're kind of just setting things back to um to square one so they can kind of build up again yeah it's it's an interesting thing and i'm gonna get michael's take on this very soon but it's Kind of one of those things where you go, wow, this is kind of a bad storm because you're hearing stories about the stock price uh, dropping. You've uh, heard reports in the last year or two about potentially companies looking to come in and acquire them. Uh, we had uh, news that Mario's Rabbit Sparks of Hope underperformed during the holiday season. We've already talked about Skull and Bones being delayed. Uh, you know, we're we're still waiting for the Avatar game, and with the movie doing so well at the box office, I'm sure they would have loved to have this thing released roughly around the same time to kind of, you know, capture the momentum. And I hope they're not uh, planning, oh, let's just keep thinking around with it and put it out before the next film comes in two years. Uh, but you also hear a lot of things like uh, the delays, and that's what really gets uh, people wondering, because we already know that the... Tom Clancy games, such as the free-to-play Ghost Recon Frontline, the VR Splinter Cell project apparently are canceled. We hear that the free-to-play Division game is still in the works, but uh, as you remember, they were working with a lot of free-to-play stuff in the works. They do one into beta testing with some of this, so of the canceled games, are those in that one? Uh, Are those, you know, in that category, or are these things we don't know about? Supposedly Beyond Good and Evil 2, another long delayed game is in the works and then uh one of the things we got today is that they're kind of looking at shorter more uh intensive games and assassin's creed mirage apparently valhalla clocked in not counting any dlc about 47 hours for gameplay uh did not go over well with a lot of gamers according to ubisoft so mirage is going to be more in the 15 to 20 hours of gameplay, and again, that's half release, not counting any DLC or anything coming. Michael, what's your take on all of this? Yeah, so a couple of items, um, kind of to Justin's point, I think the canceling of unannounced games was more of a, hey, we're still working on things. Yes, we've got some unannounced games that we canceled, but we were working on stuff, so we're not just sitting here not releasing games. I, I think it's, it was probably more for um, an opportunity to say that you know we have so many things, uh, fires in the iron, you know, in the oven that we had to scale back on some of the things to ensure that we're releasing um, something, you know, of quality. So I don't really know. I think unannounced games probably get canceled all the time, and most companies don't announce that they're canceled because they're unannounced. Um, again, why why announce that you're canceling something that you never announced before? So I think there's more behind that than. Uh, then, then people are freaking out about it. I, I think that was kind of the effect was, you know, we're still here. Hey, we're working. We're still going to be releasing games. Don't forget about us as a company, that sort of thing. You know, they did, um, uh, you know, for this year, they still, you know, Mario Rabbids uh, had got stellar reviews. I think that was one that kind of flew under the radar for a lot of folks. But from I haven't played it personally, but from the folks I've spoken to and the reviews that I've read, that game, I think, suffered more from a lack of visibility a promotion maybe um, because because well, from what I've heard the game is absolutely fantastic the first one was too so I'm not really surprised that the second one um, 
was doing so well, but I'll be the first to admit that I hadn't really heard much about it until the reviews were coming out. So I, I think that speaks more to a marketing campaign and being able to get, you know, what's coming out the door um, in front of people so that they know. So it doesn't surprise me that it underperformed for those reasons either. Uh, obviously, Just Dance 2023 came out. I think that game does fairly well in general. Um, I know some people will say that the uh, that kind of uh, gameplay is is kind of getting stale at this point, but I, I still think it does fairly well for the um, for the the Nintendo Switch audience. So again, they're going to keep milking that. I think as long as it will. Um, Rainbow Six Extraction and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, the the expansion pack both came out in 2022, so they haven't exactly been not not producing things but i do think that there's a there's a concern because of the amount of stuff that they're getting out and the amount of money that they're making on those items uh, so i guess we'll kind of see what 2023 has in store for them um the thing about assassin's creed um the skull, the skull and bones which i believe was based off of the assassin's creed 4 back black flag um sailing which if I remember correctly, Assassin's Creed 4 came out seven, eight years ago at this point. Um, I kind of start starting to wonder what that engine is looking like today. And I don't know if that's why they're continuing to push this back. Because, again, I think we saw Skull and Bones announced back five or six years ago. And it's been delayed several years Um you know, in an effort to, I, I don't know, I think everybody at first thought because they were building it off of what already existed, which was the, the uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag um, pirate model, sailing model, that it was something that they could push out fairly quickly. And maybe that was the goal for Ubisoft at the time as well. Um, but now we're seeing um, that isn't the case. So I, I don't really know honestly what that's going to look like if and when it comes out or what the interest is going to be at that point. Um, there have been rumors that if for some reason the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal doesn't go through that maybe Microsoft could look to acquire Ubisoft instead. Uh, again, these are rumors and I don't really know what kind of interest there is in that. Uh, but back to the point of acquisitions, you know, they'd already fought off one potential acquisition um, so I don't know that there's any interest in them being acquired, but at the same time, I think they're going to need to start really uh, pushing out some quality games in a fairly good time frame, not only to you know satisfy their stockholders, but to stay relevant with a lot of these other companies that are kind of starting to take off from where they're at. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, people have been saying, boy, things are really quiet on the front of the division. Well... We got news in December kind of explaining what had happened. Jake Gyllenhaal was supposed to star in a film version of it, and then the um, one of the people behind the studio that was supposed to work on it said it got left behind due to COVID, and the reason behind it is that there was a lot of cold feet about, geez, do we really need to, move, to do a movie about a super infectious disease wiping out society in the middle of a pandemic, and this might be a hard sell. So people moved away from it, and they said now, officially, it's not canceled or anything. They said it's more of a back burner, and maybe somewhere down the line, people could uh, feel some love for it. But they just felt that, you know, their exact words is they said it was more like a documentary than a work of fiction. And we just thought, you know, this isn't fun at this point. Maybe we need to take a step back from it. And what what's really interesting is when you start looking at the uh, larger picture, I have been talking online with some various developers and people who work in the industry. And it's interesting because there is a fear about the gaming industry this year, and a lot of people think that several games will be underdeveloped, um, underperforming, and they're saying, you know, the, the trends that they're seeing recently haven't really made them overly confident. So, you know, looking just not going to go through all of them, but I'm just going to go read off a few things. Um, you know, we've got the Dead Space remake coming at the end of the month. We have the long-delayed Dead Island 2 due in February. Also another long-delayed uh, game, Atomic Heart, coming in February. And, you know, Destiny 2, Lightfall, and then you get into March, and we've got Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the last of us, part one, 
for PC, the Resident Evil 4 remake, onward and onward. And of course, you know, sometime this year, if it doesn't get delayed, which I wouldn't bet against happening, uh, we're going to get Diablo 4. Now, one of the interesting things about it is a big chunk of those games are falling into a category where I see a disturbing trend in that they're now higher priced and they're not offering multiplayer. And an interesting example of this is this week we had news that the Callisto Protocol vastly underperformed what expectations were. They expected to be somewhere in the 5 million uh, unit sold range, and they're about at 2 million. It apparently was extremely expensive to make, and it has been a major disappointment. Now, I've enjoyed the game, but I sit there and I look at it and I go, okay, number one, here are some of the problems that you face. You had a $70 game on consoles. It has no multiplayer to it. Some elements of it may be too frustrating or off-putting to the masses. You had some confusion because it was announced. You didn't get anything announced on it for ages. And then when it was announced again, uh, they, EA also announced Dead Space. And so there was some confusion since... The game was made by the team behind the first two, Dead Space, but they weren't able to say made by the folks at Dead Space, so there was this confusion. People probably were a lot easier and more comfortable to saying, oh, Dead Space, I know what that is, than what the hell is the Callisto Protocol. And to be honest, I'm going to call out the marketing for it because they were all throwing the stuff out to everybody, but then when it came time for reviews, they went out and cherry-picked who got review codes Cherry picked who got access to it, and lo and behold, the reviews came out mid-range, so, you know, there weren't the smaller sites or the more independent sites being able to say, hey, hold on, just because the big guys didn't like it, this is the way I found on it. I actually found it to be much better than some of the early reviews. There was also a very large patch for it right at the beginning that didn't uh, exactly light up people. And I think other people were kind of taking that, well, let me see how it does. I'm going to go with Dead Space since it's a name that I know. But, you know, again, $70, difficult game for some people, no multiplayer. That's a tough sell. And a lot of these games here, they're not uh, exactly lighting it up with uh, multiplayer options either. And I could see people saying, I'm not going to pay $70 for a game I'm going to get through in 10 hours. I'll just wait to play it on Game Pass or wait till the price comes down, so interesting. I want to make a couple comments, because I Please. played it on PC, and I will say that the first day it was not playable at all. It would crash within the the first intro scene, and it would and the frame rates dropped to pretty much nothing, and this was on a 4090. Um, now, the, the big, huge patch they released fixed those problems, um, but I, there were, it did release kind of in a broken state as well. So I think those who are playing it now have a far better experience than those who were playing the preview release. Cause I had a lot of the same problems that the preview release folks had with, um, crashing, um, really stuttering, um, uh, frame rates. And again, all of that was resolved fairly quickly, but I, but again, a lot of the preview, I think the only way it was playable was on the PlayStation 5. I think the PC and the Xbox both suffered from the same issues. And so for those who were reviewing it on anything but PS5 in the beginning, I think that also kind of soured the experience for a lot of reviewers and also for folks who were, you know, bought it the night it was released and attempted to play it. So so you're right, that, that, that didn't bode well for its... Um, overall success either. I think a lot of people are waiting, like you said, for it to come down in price and to wait for the the state of play to be better. And again, after the first day or two, the patches, I haven't had any of those issues again. But it's not a, not a good thing to, to be a, somebody who buys it and then has to ask for a refund right away because it's not working. Yep. I'm playing on the PS5, but I did not start playing it because of all the travel and everything we're doing. Uh, we were doing until... Um, about two weeks, uh, it was right around New Year's that I, I started playing it, and you know there there are some issues. Like there's some great things, but I think some of the boss fights are absolutely ridiculous. In that it comes down to, in some cases, guesswork. If you don't have the right loadout, uh, you find yourself, you know, situations like I can't tell you how many times 
I was sitting there hitting the run command and it's just standing there being stupid and it's very slow and it's like the response to some of the combat mechanics are a lot slower than the gameplay actually requires you to be because I have found elements of the game incredibly frustrating because it seems like you literally have to guess right at a certain time. Now, I was able to get through. I'm actually, uh, I've been playing it in bits and pieces, starts and stops. I'm on the final boss right now, but, you know, there are elements to it where I'm sitting there going, this is kind of ridiculous because it's it's very dark. I'm having to rely on audio clues to kind of get an idea where the thing is, and it comes down to guesswork in some cases. You know, I'm running to one side, waiting for it to come, combat, run to the other side, but you kind of, you get into these areas where like, okay, do I turn right or do I turn left? And I'm going to guess right, and oops, I guessed wrong, I have to start all over again. And I could see how some people are, would say, this is ridiculous, this is really frustrating. There's a fine line between, I want to challenge, I want to work it, but at the same time, there becomes a point where you go, this is getting ridiculous, I'm frustrated with it. And it's funny because I know they're completely different games, but for some reason I was drawing the comparison to Alien Isolation, which is another one that uh, didn't sell as well as people expected, and they had to come out with a patch. And I remember one of the things they did was they had to come out with a patch to make the Alien even uh, less aggressive, a little more docile, because people were just getting frustrated with, I can't get past this, I can't get past that. and I am really curious because they supposedly have story DLC coming and they have other content. And it will be interesting to see if they just say, once we meet our legal obligations of putting out the announced DLC, we're done. Or are they going to go back to the well and say, okay, you know, we think now that people know it, we could try again. So it'll be interesting. And that swings to kind of my next point is that Bethesda has announced a January 25th uh, showcase. So Microsoft, Bethesda are doing a January 25th showcase. Now, one of the interesting things about this is people are pointing to Bethesda titles such as Redfall and Starfield as being big shining examples uh, for the upcoming year. That being said, some people are saying that the announced release date or Starfield has now been changed on some online sites to coming soon versus March, and they're thinking, okay, great, we're going to get more news and another delay announced. So, Justin, what do you make of all of this? Yeah, so uh, to kind of go uh, circle back just a little bit to the, um, you know, performance, you know, just generally the performance of games um, going into this year. So, I think you know for horror games that that's that horror games have always been a little bit difficult just because um, they can generally be pretty successful. So like Resident Evil games, you know, it's such an established franchise that they you know they tend to to sell a very consistent uh, amount. Um, you know, they despite you know not having multiplayer, they they usually do very well. Um, other ones they 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 do struggle um you know and i think costa protocol was a multitude of factors it's not monocausal i think you know you guys hit pretty much all of them it's just you know when you add all of these things together i think the the moral of the story for for callisto protocol is that it uh, uh i think it was a little too ambitious for a very new team um it was their first game like right out the gate uh, they, I think they kind of bit off more they can, they, than they can chew. And, uh, you know, it really didn't help that uh, the Dead Space remake is be being released so soon after it. Um, so, you know, when you couple all those things together, it, it really made it a, a difficult uh, situation for them to be successful. Um, that said, you know, um, there, were, there were a lot of news stories about Alien Isolation not not financially performing but it, it actually did sell quite a lot for, especially for a survival horror game it just sega did not have a lot else going on that year so their their bar their expectation of what they wanted isolation to achieve was a bit too high than i thought was uh a reasonable expect expectation um you know there's a similar story there with uh with what happened to the dead space franchise um you know they 
they uh, EA had very very high financial expectations on what Dead Space Three was going to achieve, um, uh, to the point where you know if you listen to interviews with the guys who were working on that game, they made a lot of gameplay uh, or I guess game design decisions that ended up affecting the end product in a way that um, you know fans didn't really like. Um, one of those was adding a lot of multiplayer elements. Uh, I'm I don't know this is a controversial take, but I'm actually a pretty firm believer that uh, I think co-op uh, brings down survival horror. Um, in this, in the few uh, games that I've played that have it, um, I think that Dead, like Dead Space 3, for instance, I think was lessened by having uh, co-op in it. Um, not to say it was all bad. I mean, it was a fun experience, uh, and I think they did some really creative things with um like narratively with with co-op but i think overall as a survival horror experience i think it brought it down i get they're going to do uh multiplayer it really should be mostly limited to like a pve uh separate mode maybe or uh you know something where you know you're up against like swarms of enemies or something like that um so the just to bring it back to the beginning i think just survival horror in general is just kind of a difficult um uh type of game game genre that uh can do very well financially um they it can do very well but um the 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 formula isn't just set in stone i think they it it can um some of them hit it like right out of the park and and some of them struggle um but yeah but going forward into this year you know uh I, I actually kind of expect uh, Starfield to maybe be delayed again. I think that's probably a 50-50 chance. Uh, I, most of the things I'm seeing online are just listed at, you know, as coming out in 2023. I think that's actually imperative. I think it really does need to come out this year. Um, hopefully, it's, uh, hopefully it's still set for a March release date. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's actually been kind of a drought if you kind of look back for the last like six months or so it's uh, you know been kind of light in terms of um big game releases uh you know we really haven't seen anything from bethesda in a while we haven't seen anything um you know from nintendo in a while you know so i think that uh we're in a bit of a drought right now um but uh hopefully in the next several months we'll get some some big releases and that leads to the next thing and i'll have michael open up the comments on this uh, looking at my calendar, March 23rd, we'll have PAX East. We've talked for a while that PAX East has not been traditionally the place where the gigantic big names go. Uh, they often hold off for shows later in the summer and then uh, make their appearance at PAX West. We've talked about the last couple of years that it has been much heavier on indies. You're not seeing the big boys, Nintendo, Microsoft. Uh, Sony, Activision, uh, you know, EA coming to these shows. EA doesn't normally, but you also haven't seen Bethesda, which is now part of Microsoft. You haven't seen Warner Brothers Interactive. So uh, we have that. We have the Summer Game Fest uh, coming this summer. We have E3 coming in June, returning. And, you know, right now that's kind of my big thing. And uh, we have our crew already set and assigned for PAX East. I'm uh, looking forward to covering E3, and I'm very curious to see what's there. I'm hoping that uh, to forget any cover Summer Game Fest as well. Uh, but I'm curious to see which, uh, you know, what kind of announcements we're going to get and how many of the big companies are going to show up. And Michael, uh, take it away. What do you think? Ah, I'm sorry. I was distracted so i missed that oh sorry i was asking okay so we have summer games fest we have e3 we have uh pax east coming march 23rd we've talked about the issues with larger companies not coming to these uh things pax being the, the prime example including companies that traditionally went to both east and or west what are you expecting for this year yeah i don't know i mean the way CES is still ramping up, I'm almost expecting the same for for PAX and E3 and the other shows. And, and I just I'm starting to wonder, you know, what the actual effect of all of the pandemic um, stuff was, and, and how companies are feeling about being able to um, 
put on their own shows remotely or, or you know, even in person, but just kind of consolidating what they participate in and as far as and what they expect they're going to uh, to show up to. So, uh, so I think right now we're still in that. I think things are more or less getting back to normal. I think 2023 is going to be a real indicator uh, of where where the industry will be as far as um, show um, shows are concerned. If they start seeing um, a lot a lack of visibility by doing online shows only or doing their own remote shows and that sort of thing, I think we might start to see um, some more participation. I, I kind of with Nintendo, I don't see ever going back to a true show in person. I think Sony's probably at that point now too. Um, if Sony starts it starts to have market type issues. Um, where they they need to, they might, but I think right now they're doing fine without it. So I don't suspect that they're going to be eagerly eager to participate. I mean, they'd already kind of dropped out of E3 even before the pandemic, um, and I suspect that's probably going to continue to be the case. Um, I think Microsoft, um, Bethesda, I think those Activision Blizzard, assuming the acquisition goes through, I think those tend to be a lot more consumer friendly. So they tend to be a lot more willing to do in-person shows. So I think we might see even more from them taking an opportunity to um, take away from Sony and Nintendo by doing an in-person or on-site presence. So I think we might see them be a little bit more proactive. Again, EA has been one of those that they pulled out of E3 and did their own thing too. Um, so I, I think the, the days of all these huge companies coming together for one show are probably gone, or at least for now are gone. We will see if that changes down the road. Um, I think PAX will start to be more of an indie focus, more so than it ever was, because um, indie developers, indie games in general, have started to kind of take over um, from the AAA developer and titles. Um, they're garnering more of the awards, being a lot more innovative in their solutions. They're being able to do these things on a much tighter budget. Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of folks are kind of coming around to... Um, know a new tier of indie where indie used to be a couple people who put out a game now it's teams of a hundred or or more um some of these are industry pros who are working for smaller companies and um you know and then putting out games that rival some of the uh triple a titles or, or surpass in many cases um and i think we'll start to see more of a focus on that particularly at the pax front and justin your take please uh yeah so uh, PAX has been kind of weird for for quite a while. I think it's been kind of random as to how large it is. Um, you know, I might be a little biased, but like the the few times I um uh went to PAX, um, it really seemed like that was like the peak of of um or around the peak of of what um of how large PAX was. You know, a lot of big companies would show up there. Um. And show off, uh, you know, builds for for upcoming games that were going to come out like later that year. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't uh, uncommon that fairly large titles would get uh, announced there at PAX. Uh, I, you know, I brought it up before. You know, Tribes Ascend was a, was announced at the one of the PAXs that I went to. Um, you know, so it, not like a AAA game, like they wouldn't announce that at PAX, but uh, more like indie titles that are um you know maybe kind of like middle of the pack somewhere between like just a pure indie like what what most people consider just an indie title and the triple a um you know those kind of like middle of the road kind of games you know would get announced there uh but the last several years it seems like they kind of scaled it back um it's more of like a fan experience which is 100 percent totally fine i'm not trying to dis dis on packs or anything it's just the the expectation of it being a, a of a big like reveal show, I don't think it's really been that for for quite some time. Um, so every now and then, you know, you'll get a uh, you'll get a kind of a big packs where you know a lot of people will show up. Um, but uh, you know, most of the time it, it seems to be relatively small, at least compared to how it used to be. Uh, not a lot of huge announcements there. Uh, more kind of just. Uh, you know, a, a place for uh, panels and um, getting fans together, uh, fans of, of particular like tabletop games and, and other other games together. Um, so that's kind of my expectation going into this year. You know, PAX, I think it's going to still be pretty small because, 
you know, it's even questionable how large E3 is going to be. Uh, I know we've talked about that many times, but, uh, you know, a lot of these, these shows are kind of like in flux, uh, a lot of the, the big conventions, um, you know, so I think, uh, I think the bigger question is how large is E3 going to be this year? And, um, you know, all the, the, the sort of the bigger conventions for games, uh, like game, Gamescom, Tokyo Game Show, and, um, a summer games fest i think those are kind of like the probably where most of the um most of the activity is going to be around them because i think you know michael pointed out you know a lot of the companies are uh even kind of like questioning whether they're going to uh um be involved at all a lot of them just kind of do their own thing like nintendo or sony or even what uh, microsoft is doing later this month with uh, their own kind of uh, kind of Nintendo Direct style announcement show that's like basically just pre-recorded that they do on their own. So uh, I think that's really kind of where where we're at. And uh, I think you know if E3 pulls off a huge show and it's uh, very successful, then that'll probably uh, kind of filter down to the other conventions and make those a little bit more popular. And the thing to remember is I know nobody wants to hear it, but we have to look at facts right now. Apparently. China's looking at over 1 million cases of COVID a day and 5,000 deaths a day. And apparently there's yet another new strain that is coming through the um, country. So there's that. And then there are also reports that are circulating that the new Omicron boosters may not be any more effective at fighting the new variants than the original um, you know, vaccines were. So you're going to have concern because it does seem like People have basically said, screw it, they're going to their conventions, they're going to things. That being said, you know, we've also had reports that some of the hospitals are setting up triage centers out in the parking lots in Phoenix and other areas for the respiratory diseases because you have the RSV, you have the flu, and now they're concerned about a potential new wave. And while that may not keep the uh, convention going public away, that may make various uh companies as we saw at ces say you know what maybe we're not ready to throw down a chunk of money to put down on a booth travel there and do all this maybe you know we are still going to go there uh more and more companies are saying we're back in but like you said this is all in flux all it's going to take is another wave and while i don't think these shows are not going to go ahead it could get to a point where certain companies just say, no, not going to happen, especially if they are coming from abroad where there might be travel restrictions and uh, other things in place. I mean, we already heard at CES, I'm not going to name names of countries, but we already heard uh, reports that certain countries were not invited at all because of uh, conflicts and political situations that were going on over there. We heard that nobody was allowed to come from abroad that didn't, uh, you know, produce vaccine uh, results, that sort of thing. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, the next big thing that we're going to look at is Star Wars Celebration out in London. We are expecting a lot of news to come out of that. And thought uh, we would conclude the segment today with some news on Star Wars and Marvel rumors. So the first bit of news that I heard is what I uh, talked about on radio the other day, and that's no surprise that Star Wars Celebration is supposed to make a major announcement about the next Star Wars film that is due in 2025, others to follow. Now, the rumors that I heard was that it will be set after uh, The Rise of Skywalker, but it will set around a new female lead, a new cast of characters, it may be the first film in a new trilogy uh, with potentially as many as five films in the works now. But of this new trilogy, it will not be episode um, you know, 13, 14, 15, that sort of thing. It's going to be essentially just a new Star Wars trilogy with the capper being that characters from the sequel series may show up in this one. And that is, of course, on top of all the stuff. We have the Bad Batch going right now. We have, um, what is it, The Mandalorian coming in March, if I'm not mistaken. And then we have, uh, what is it, Ahsoka and the Acolyte. 
uh, may get the Acolyte this year. So a lot of Star Wars stuff coming. And then on top of it, the other big piece of news is that Star Wars veteran Adam Driver, who played Kylo Ren, is apparently a person of strong interest for Marvel Studios to play Reed Richards in the upcoming Fantastic Four film. And I know a lot of people said, not seeing it, I see him more as Doctor Doom, that sort of thing. But then when I dug a little bit about it, I said, you know, this is an interesting rumor in that, um, you know, this is a guy who has had to deal with extensive effects. He's had to deal with high expectations. And he's also dealt with a toxic fan base, a fan base that was so toxic that several of his co-stars jumped off social media over it. Uh, so, yeah, I could see that. And then, you know, lots of other interesting rumors in the world of Marvel that uh, uh, in Avengers Endgame, we're going to see all kinds of uh, iterate, not Endgame, excuse me, but in the new Avengers film, we could see the return of Robert Downey Jr. We could see... Uh, characters from other realities and such returning. I've heard everything from the ever-popular, never-ends uh, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man making a return. So, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of great news um, and a lot of potentially um, interesting news coming out both in the Marvel and the Star Wars arena. I mean, the Star Wars um, streaming shows have all been more or less excellent. I've liked them all. I know some people have liked some more than others. I know that Book of Boba Fett didn't necessarily strike a chord with a lot of folks the way like The Mandalorian did, but I enjoyed it. Um, so I think they've hopefully learned a lot from what the fan base looks and expects from their streaming um, shows, and they can kind of translate that back to their um, you know full... Uh, cinematic experiences like with the Star Wars stuff. And again, I'm not knocking um, the the prequels or the sequels because um, some folks obviously grew up with the prequels. And I think a lot of us that came up with the original series were kind of looking for that magic to return that we felt when we first saw them. And we were all kids back then. And so I think a lot of the, I don't know, maybe some of the disappointment in some of the recent uh, films or, or the streaming shows have really been because people wanted to have that that magic recaptured. And I don't really know that that's a possibility in the first place. So it's always good to temper our expectations with what we're going to see and what shows are going to come out. Um, I do worry, and this isn't necessarily for me in particular, but kind of how we've talked about how the superhero genre was kind of getting fatigued, um, even with a Marvel after Marvel's Endgame. People were kind of, I think, even with this... this um, this series of uh, Marvel movies, they've obviously done fantastic, no no arguments there. But just like with the superhero fatigue, I do kind of worry about Star Wars fatigue in that in that as well. Again, I've liked all the series. I think they've all brought something new to the table that were really interesting. Um, you know, I like how Book of Boba Fett really focused on uh, the, the Tusken Raider um, familial uh, thing. I think it was... I think a lot of people thought maybe we focus more on, on Boba Fett um, bounty hunting, and I and I think I really like the the idea that they kind of introduced us to the Tusken Raiders and they kind of brought um, that that mythology to the forefront. Uh, with Andor again, it was a lot more of a um, it wasn't the action paced uh, story driven; it was more of a spy type um, scenario, the the start of the resistance and the rebellion and, and that sort of thing. So I think they all bring something new and unique to the to the table. Um, I just hope that there's not so much going on that people begin to get burnt out on that as well. I mean, there's there's something to be said about waiting a little while for uh, to build up anticipation, excitement um, versus you know releasing one thing after the other. Uh, so again, I, I like that they're they've kind of taken a break from the the cinematic approach. I'm looking forward to going back to that. And I hope they've learned some of the lessons from um, the shows they've done. And at the same time, we're not oversaturating people to the point where they're they're feeling like it's just, oh, another Star Wars thing or, oh, another Marvel thing. And Justin, what do you have uh, to say on this topic? Yeah, I think the new movies are a good opportunity because if, if there's one thing I think that the new 
uh, canon is missing is world building. I think it's it's really kind of like if if I have one critique about anything that's like post, um, you know, Return of the Jedi. Um, now the old books I think did a good job, like the old books and comics and the games and everything. You know, there was a so much content and but you know to to their credit, I mean, they had like de- decades to work on it. You know, they had uh, a long time uh, to release a lot of content. So there's a pretty rich amount of, um, you know, events and character movements and new characters and new uh, new conflicts and, and all sorts of things that happened um, post-episode six with the old canon. Um, and I, I think they, they still have that opportunity with... Um, with the new canon, it's just, um, you know, it's either going to take that much time or it's going to take a lot of effort. And so I think that's really the opportunity here is that, um, I really think that they probably do need a Kevin Feige type figure. Um, you know, someone who can kind of, who has a vision as to what they want. Um, you know, this new, uh, era of star Wars to be like, and who's going to be in it and what it's going to be about. Um, you know they have the baseline, of course, with the with the new movies. But I think they really need somebody that can kind of bring it together and and make it, um, you know, more fleshed out, kind of like how the other eras are. You know, a lot of these these shows, the the ones that have been very good, um, are, are usually kind of using um, what's already kind of been established uh, as a baseline for its setting. So like Andor is obviously a prequel. It takes place during a very set time period that that already kind of is fleshed out in star wars um it's really this the the future stuff that i think really needs some work um so that's really i think the opportunity is um you know i think that it really kind of requires somebody with vision and you know with five movies i think you can get there five movies obviously books and comics and things like that um i think they can get there it's just uh it's going to take some work uh so i'm curious to see how it goes um but to, to Michael's point too, you know, I think, um, there, there definitely always is that, that, um, that risk of, of burnout. And I think uh, Star Wars, I think got there pretty quick, quickly, uh, just because of how controversial a lot of the, um, you know, with the fan base and reactions and things like that. I think, I think they, there was a little bit of a Star Wars burnout and I think that they, they made the right decision on, um, uh, pausing movies for a little while releasing some really good shows and then kind of now we're kind of you know several years removed uh from the movies and they can kind of like get back into it again so hopefully they uh um they hit it out of the park and do some good stuff absolutely and that's going to be the big key and that is going to do it for us this week folks i hope you have a very safe week ahead for those of you that are enjoying the long weekend i hope it's a great one for you and we'll be back next week with all the news and information until then take care